This episode of The Productivity Show is brought to you by The Dojo, the Asian efficiency community that comes with coaching and accountability. Try The Dojo for just $1 at theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get the most important things done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Now, can you believe it's already the final quarter of the year? Q4 is often a time where one of two things happen. Either we feel let down because we haven't accomplished what we thought we would during the year, or we're motivated to make that final push to finish up the year strong. This episode will help you be in the latter camp. We're going to take you through the three-step framework we use to make sure the final quarter of the year is our best quarter so you can go into the holidays feeling accomplished. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 269. And now, on with the show. And we're live on The Productivity Show. How's life, Brooks? Excellent. How are you? You told me that you just had a massage. So how are you, how are you feeling? You in the podcasting zone or are you still in the chair? I'm still like half on earth, half in heaven. So I'm just <laughs> trying it. to kind of be coherent today and make sure we get through the episode today because I'm not even supposed to be here today. Today was supposed to be my day off. Uh, I was telling Tam there's this movie that people like me will know called Clerks from way back in the 90s. And uh, there's this one character that it basically all this stuff happens to him on his day off. And all he does through the whole movie is walk around saying, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> and that is Tan today. But you showed up, you're doing the podcast. We know what's important to you in your life. So that's super awesome. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't even supposed to be online on Friday either. I was supposed to have a four-day weekend, but that didn't quite work out either. But I've learned my lesson there because uh, we'll talk about that when we have our retrospective of how I should time <laughs> my time off. <laughs> but that's a big theme of this episode as well, because we're going to be talking about how you can finish strong this year, because there's still one quarter left and still a lot of things you can do to end the year on a high note. But before we dive into that, uh, we always like to kick things off with our top three favorite resources. So Brooks, what are some of your favorite resources as of lately? Okay, so my first resource is called the Leatherman Style PS Multi-Tool. And if you've listened to the recent episodes, you'll know recently I was talking about a multi-tool called a small portable multi-tool called the Gerber Dime, which is great, but it has a blade so you can't take it on a plane. So I went on a quest to try and find a multi-tool that you can take on a plane. And this Leatherman style PS is this small, really portable multi-tool, has pliers, a file, scissors, tweezers, a bottle opener, and a mini screwdriver, but it does not have a blade. So it is supposedly TSA compliant, which... You know, obviously things are always at the discretion of the individual agent, so I can't guarantee that it won't be confiscated, but supposedly people fly with this thing all the time. So that's number one, the Leatherman Style PS Keychain Multi-Tool. Number two is a book called Ultra Learning by Scott H. Young, who I found out while reading this book that he is lives in Vancouver, which I did not even know. And it's a, basically a book about learning and learning a lot really, really quickly. So he has nine principles to become an ultra learner. Uh, and it's an interesting book. I just read it on Audible. So that's my second resource. And then my third resource is an app. It's called Calzones. iOS only, unfortunately, 
but it's an app that makes working with time zones really, really great. It uh, combines your calendar with time zones and you can give names to time zones. So if you work with somebody in whatever, the Philippines or in Vienna or whatever, you can name the time zone with that person. And it has a little flag and stuff like that. And it's just a really great way to see what's going on in the different time zones. So CalZones is the name of the app. Those are my three resources. Awesome. And we will have links to all of these in the show notes as well. So don't worry if you missed out on any of them. All right, so let's dive into today's episode. So like I mentioned earlier, we have one quarter left in this year. And you might be thinking, man, my year was awesome. Or you might be saying, man, my year has not been that great. Either way, we still have a quarter left to finish really strong. And a quarter is a lot of time. That's three months. That is uh, 12 weeks, uh, sometimes even 13. And regardless of your current situation or how your year has been so far, we want to make sure we offer some tips and insights of what we've done and learned over the years to make sure that we end the year on a high note. And uh, we came up with a really simple three-step framework. We call it the review opportunities and execution part. And we're just going to dive into sort of this framework and give you kind of an idea of how you can evaluate what went well, what didn't go so well this year, how you can look for opportunities to do things better, and then how we can improve our execution for the remaining part of the year. So let's dive into the first part, which is reviewing the past quarter. So even if you set annual goals, which we typically don't recommend uh, because we find that if you set quarterly goals or goals in a shorter time frame, you tend to execute a lot faster and you're more on point. But even if you do set annual goals, we highly recommend that you start reviewing what happened over the last three months or so. And if you can go further, even better. And if you're familiar with Scrum, which is something that we apply at Asian Efficiency, you're probably familiar with a retrospective, right? And this is the process where you kind of like go over with the whole team and say, hey, what are some of the things that went well? What didn't go so well? What could we have done better? And you start to extrapolate all these ideas and feedback. And that's a really useful process. And that's something that you can do for yourself as well. Brooks, is there anything that you have seen or have maybe you've experienced yourself that made it really useful for you? Yeah, I find it's really, it is really useful because when you think about where you are in the year, especially when you're getting to the end of the year, you tend to have this recency bias where you where if things aren't going super great at that particular moment, you think that the year hasn't been going super great. And it's really, really important to remember that you're not defined by what has happened so far. It's it's never too late to get going and just finish up the year strong. And like, for so for example, for me, so right now we're going into, we're in quarter four and we're just thinking back to quarter three. Quarter three is always a, a pretty challenging one for me because it's when my kids are off school. So Marmel and I talked a lot about that in TPS 251. So it's always a bit hectic quarter three. And combined with the creation of Automation Academy, which we've talked about on the podcast before, that was a pretty uh, interesting three months. So it's it's been helpful for planning this next quarter and finishing up the year to not feel like the whole year has been that way. And so that I can look and say, okay, well now all that's behind me. Now what do I do for quarter four? So, yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, you were homeless for I don't know, two <laughs> months, right? 
<laughs> yeah. So for the our members of the dojo are watching us live. Uh, we record live in front of the dojo and Tan and I are on camera, which is really fun. And you can see a nice red background behind me. But what you can't see is my office is in complete shambles right now. I had to move boxes just so you couldn't see them behind me. And hopefully that'll be done soon. But yeah, that's an, an additional thing is being homeless because of some renovations and my office being like three quarters, three quarters destroyed right now. So yeah, quarter four will not be defined by that. I can pretty much guarantee. Well, it's good to see the vet red background again because uh, yes. it, looks, it looks good on you, Brooks. <laughs> so when it comes to reviewing quarters, I think one thing that's always Real important is to ask yourself these questions that I mentioned earlier. So what went well? What didn't go so well? What can I do better? And they sound like really simple questions. But if you actually spend 10, 15 minutes per question, you will come up with a lot of insight, a lot of ideas. So if you don't have a process already for reviewing, let's say, the past three quarters or just even the last two months or even the last month, I highly recommend you check out this process where you just ask yourself these three questions Spend maybe 15 minutes per question, and in less than an hour, you'll have so much insight. And a lot of things that you'll be coming up with as you're answering the questions will actually help you plan the next quarter or the next month or even the next week, depending how far you go back. And I remember doing this. I actually learned this from scaling up, I believe. And I started to answer these questions on a business level, and then I also did it for my personal life as well. And one thing I noticed was one particular quarter, I did a really poor job of maintaining my fitness. I was skipping exercise routines. I was just skipping the gym. Sometimes I would skip it multiple times a week. And I just noticed that this was a recurring theme. And I thought, okay, what didn't go so well this quarter? And I realized, okay, it's sticking to my exercise routine, my exercise regimen. And I asked myself, okay, what can I do better? And that gave a lot of insight. And I basically realized that the reason I was skipping a lot was I was either really tired or I have like a really high uh, Colby score for follow through. So I like to stick to certain routines and certain structures or I like to have a sense of structure. And when I travel, that's when things kind of like go haywire. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm not a big fan of hotel gyms, but sometimes I'll just have to kind of do them to stay in shape and, and stick to a routine. But then every time I come back, I always like to have a sense of order, a sense of not perfection necessarily, but I'm the type of person that says, you know, well, you know, on my calendar, it said I had to be there at 8 a.m. It's now 8.10. I don't know if, I don't know if it's going to be worth it for the remaining 45 <laughs> minutes or whatever to actually go to the gym. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, I've uh, I've done the same thing. Like my, I I have this really incredible brain for talking myself out of things that I know I should do. But yeah, I can come up with all sorts of excuses, and that's it—a perfect one. It doesn't matter how much time I really have. I'll be like, oh yeah, fifteen minutes late. Eh, it's not really worth worth uh, the drive over there or whatever. So yeah, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, I've done that so many times, and I just learned that. I make these excuses and that's coming from the pr this process, really. That's where I realized it. And now if I, you know, committed to 8 a.m. and I see that the clock says 8.15, instead of saying, oh, you know, it's not worth it anymore, I'm getting better at saying, okay, I'm still going to go. My workout's not going to be, you know, 60 minutes as planned, but I'm going to make it the most out of it. I'm, I'm going to have the best 35, 40 minute workout or whatever I can do. 
And that has happened multiple times over the years. So I'm really happy that I've sort of rewired and reframed those excuses in my own head. But it just really shows you that, you know, the more you start to think back and reevaluate, the easier it is for you to start adjusting your own behavior for what you want to do next. And especially if you're trying to finish the quarter strong, because if you don't really look back, it's really easy to stick to your own quote unquote routine of how you've always done things. And sometimes we have to make these adjustments or changes in order to get what we want, right? And this is where what you said earlier, Brooks, about recency bias, I think is so true because what I found so powerful about keeping a journal is that there's no BS, right? There's no recency bias there anymore. If you review your journal that you maybe keep up every day or every few days or at least once a week, you'll get to see over the past quarter or so what actually happened, what your thoughts were, what you were thinking, what you were doing, the kind of results that you've gotten. And it gives you a lot of insight. And so one of the things I always recommend that people do, this is something I write every single year in one of our newsletters for reviewing your year, is to review your journal. And I would say, if you do it on a quarterly basis, do this as well. Go over your journal over the past quarter or even the past month and I know it's going to sound scary or for some people, they go, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. It sounds so excruciating. Do it. You'll see how much you've grown over the past few months. You'll see a lot of things that, you know, you're going to laugh at <laughs> because it's just entertaining that you even thought that. But there's a lot of room for growth there. Yeah, the journal thing is interesting because a lot of times we think of looking back at the journal as a way to look back and see what we can improve. And that definitely is a big part of it for sure. But it's it can go the other way as well, where you can you think you haven't improved as much, but then you look back and you think, oh man, I was I, I had all these struggles way back at the start of the quarter that I've totally I didn't even realize I had overcome. And you don't even know that until you you you're reminded of it because you we tend to gloss over gloss over things. Uh, and only remember little pieces. So yeah, the journaling thing is interesting. Journaling has something in this quarter that ha I haven't done as good of a job keeping up with just because of all this stuff. And I can definitely see now, again, as I review the quarter and get ready for this last quarter, uh, is definitely, I can see how that was a mistake. And I never thought about it at the time. I never thought, oh boy, this, this lack of journaling is gonna come back and bite me. But as I go to review, things now and, and prepare for the last quarter, it is definitely a uh, opportunity for improvement for the fourth quarter. And for some people, this is maybe an inflection point where you go, oh, wait, I don't keep a journal whatsoever. <laughs> and then yep. I would say, hey, you know what? Let's use this as an opportunity to start one. It's never too late, right? We're three quarters in already. It's never too late to start another quarter or to start journaling. And we have a bunch of podcast episodes on this topic as well, which we'll link to in the show notes. So if you're uncertain about how to get started with journaling, refer back to those episodes. And if you're a Doja member or if you're not a Doja member yet, we have a whole course on journaling and how to get started and what kind of questions to ask yourself and what kind of prompts to use, which is also in the Dojo or productivity community that comes with coaching and training and accountability. And so if you're not a member yet, you can just go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo and try it out for just a dollar for your first month. So go check that out as well. All right, so that is the first part of our framework. And that is reviewing your past quarter or just reviewing your previous period. Now let's move on to the second part, which is looking for opportunities. 
And what do I mean with this? When I think about opportunities, I think about, okay, before we start diving into the quarter, what are some of the options that we have in front of us? Okay. Some things might be stuff from past quarters that maybe are rolling over into the next next quarter. So maybe you had a goal in Q3 and you didn't quite hit it. So you want to move that over to Q4, right? That's an option. Another option would be, oh, you know what? Let's go for something completely different and let's do that, right? And go for that. And oftentimes those could be multiple things. And uh, sometimes you just want to, you know, kind of like do nothing, quote unquote, and just look for, okay, how can I do things just better over time and just be really process oriented? I'm just going to keep going, living my life and just doing things better over time. And so the big idea here is just, okay, we want to make sure that we have all these options laid out and say, okay, out of all these options that I have, what's the best one for me? How do I evaluate what I need to do next? And reviewing your past quarter, which we just talked about, is a big part of that because it kind of gives you an idea and insight of where you are, where you want to go, you know, what's the difference between where you are right now and where you want to be. And it kind of gives you an insight as well of what you need to do next. And so a lot of times for a lot of you rolling over the same goal into the next quarter is completely normal. And that's completely fine too. You know, that has happened to me as well. I'm sure that has happened to you too, Brooks. Uh, You didn't quite hit a goal in Q3 and you go, well, you know what, I'm just going to do that as well. Mm Yeah, and a lot of times we beat ourselves up about it. We 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 get sad. We're like, oh man, I said I was going to do this and I didn't. Oh man, it's just not going well. And then we get in this negative cycle, but it's totally fine to, first of all, it's totally fine to move a goal over if you don't meet it. But it, you may find that that goal is not even something you is really relevant anymore anyway. So that could be a good opportunity to not just automatically move goals forward, 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 but just just make the kind of mature decision. Yep, this is not something that's for me anymore. Doesn't make sense. I have other priorities and it's okay to kill a goal too. You don't need to you don't need to keep it just because just because you had it. A while ago, I had this goal. I don't even remember why I thought this was something that would be important to me in my life. But I made this goal that I would be able to memorize all of the countries and capitals in the world. And I, I don't know what made me have this goal, but I, I started out pretty hardcore for a while. And I'm like you in that I really thrive on that routine. So, you know, as, thing, as long as things are, are kind of scheduled and routine, it's all good. But then I think it was Christmas holidays or something like that. I kind of fell off the, off the memorization bandwagon. And... I was kind of beating myself up that, uh, you know, you, you said you were going to do this and you're not, you're kind of falling behind. But then I realized, why am I actually, why am I actually doing this goal? <laughs> right? Like it, it's kind of interesting to me personally, but it's not something that's really going to help me in my life. So maybe I should be focusing on something more important. So I just kill it and I didn't feel bad about it. I just moved on. So I had a goal one year to read 30 books and I said, okay, if I just, do eight books a quarter, I should be on track to hit my goal. Pretty simple, right? You put numbers around a situation and it's easy to measure. You kind of know where you're at. Uh, Whether it's one or two months in, you kind of know, okay, I'm on pace to hit 30 books this year, right? And about a quarter in, I go, man, like I'm reading all these books and this is great and there's a lot of information, but I would rather be implementing two or three books that I just read because I know that is just so relevant to where I am in life or in my business. And I said, you know what, instead of reading 30 books this year, I'm just going to 
implement two or three books. How about that? And so when I went into my next quarter, I said, okay, I'm going to kill this goal. I'm not going to read 30 books this year. I'm going to change it. I'm going to actually just implement two or three books this year. How about that? And at the end of the day, I thought, this is actually way better because just consuming information is, you know, it's just a tiny part of what you really want, right? Books is great. Books are great. And there's a lot of great information out there. But at the end of the day, the most valuable part of information is actually applying it and using it, not just knowing it, unless you're, you know, you're going to go on a game show or something and then you're going to make that your living. But other than that, if you're somebody like me who has to use their brain to execute certain things and benefits from having certain information to, you know, apply in the real world, implementation is really where the money is at. And so I quickly realized, okay, I don't have trouble necessarily reading books. So if you're somebody who has trouble like reading more books, then I'd say, you know, that might be a lofty goal to kind of start off with, right? And say, hey, you know, I'm going to read 10 books this year or whatever. But I didn't have trouble reading a lot of books. I just upped it from like 10 to 20 to then 30. And just reading more (laughs) wouldn't really make that big of a difference. But the implementation part is really what made the big difference. And so now I kind of stopped setting goals of like, I want to read a certain amount of books this year or whatever, and rather say, hey, I would rather implement two or three books to a T. And one of those books, as an example, was 30 Lessons for Living, which I've talked about many, many times on the podcast. But basically, the short version of the book is that the author interviewed people who are about to die, and he asked them, what's one life lesson you would like to pass on to the next generation? And compiled it in 30 lessons. And I basically tried to apply all of these 30 lessons into my life slowly over time. So I'm still working through that book. And uh, another one is Scaling Up, which you know, Brooks, uh, we've implemented internally, something I've reference all the time and that's probably a book i'll probably have to reference the rest of my life i don't i don't think i'll be able to ever finish that book in that sense but yeah it's totally okay to change a goal right and katie just brought up a great point for some quarters and we've experienced this too you set a goal and then by the end of the quarter you realize oh my gosh that was a way too lofty goal that that goal was way too big than what i could handle and now you can use that as an opportunity to break down your goal into something smaller and something more realistic. Yeah, this is a lesson. We've talked about this on the podcast a number of times over the year, but this is a lesson we've learned internally at, at AE where we did used to basically make too many goals. So we would be striving for a bunch of different things in a quarter. And it was by this process, by going back and reviewing what we did and how things went that we realized that we were making that mistake of, of being way too ambitious for what was realistic. Katie and Phil are actually having an, a, another interesting conversation in the, in the chat that goes along with recording this, where Katie was saying that what would have been good, and this is actually a good thing to do, is keep a journal, even if you're not a, a journaler, like keep a log of your reasons for not doing something. So, so she was saying if she had kept a reason, every reason she has for not going to, to the gym day X and day Y, going back and reviewing those, those reasons, which seemed totally legit at the time would have been very enlightening. So that's actually a pretty good journal to keep is a, a reason you're not doing the things you were planning to do. That would, if we all kept those, that would be pretty shocking, I have to think, and possibly embarrassing too. Mine would be so long. <laughs> I don't know if I uh, could have enough space here at my place to, to keep all these journals here. 
because um, <laughs> I'm really good at coming up with excuses for myself. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think there would be a lot of great insight from that for sure. This episode of the Productivity Show is brought to you by the Dojo, the Asian efficiency community that comes with coaching and accountability. Most productivity information out there is centered around apps and tools and life hacks, which are great, but they aren't what makes the difference in the long term. If you made a commitment to productivity, but are frustrated that you're not making as much progress as you should, you're not alone. You just need a community to support you. It's not the lack of information that's holding you back and preventing you from getting things done. You already know what you need to do and how to do it. What's missing is coaching and community. That's why we have created the Dojo. The Dojo is an online productivity community that comes with coaching and accountability. When you become a member, you get access to productivity coaches, live training, and accountability groups to help you accomplish your goals in record time. As a member, you also get access to our training vault. This is where you'll find copy and paste workflows to save time, master classes on a wide range of productivity topics, and advanced strategies that we don't share on the podcast and on the blog. It's only inside the dojo for our members. I spend a lot of time in the dojo helping members with their productivity, and I hope to see you in there too. There's a special offer just for the Productivity Show listeners. Just go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo and try out the dojo for just $1 for your first month. That's theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. So another thing that's really important for identifying what you're going to work on next and just reviewing your opportunities that you have in front of you uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier was for some people, you just want to focus on mastering your craft. You just want to get better at something, right? Maybe it's like a skill. Maybe it's like a hobby. Maybe it's like a business something or whatever. For some people, you just want to get better. And one of the things I always, this is something I just do naturally. One question I always ask people is, you know, if the internet didn't exist, what would you do for a living? And when I ask myself that question, I realized, you know what, I would probably be a management consultant. I'm somebody who's really good at optimizing things. Like I'm a amazing, not to humble brag or anything, but I'm, I think I'm one of the best when it comes to optimizing anything, whether it's like a train track in my home when I was like playing when I was younger to how do I get to the destination the most fastest, most efficient way to just literally whatever. I like to break stuff down and put it back together and make it more efficient. And if you're somebody like me who just loves optimizing things, you could just look at all your habits, all your systems in your life, your business, whatever you have going on, or even if it's a goal that you just roll over, what can you do to make it even better? And for example, if you watch or read any sort of thing about fitness on YouTube or just reading articles online about YouTube, they have so many articles and topics about like, oh, should you take protein in the morning, in the afternoon or before bed? Same thing with like, should you work out in the morning or afternoon or late at night? And what's better for muscle growth or fat loss, blah, blah, And literally that rabbit hole goes so <laughs> deep that it can be really, really confusing. And I, I'm a little bit concerned that as the productivity industry goes bigger, that that becomes the same thing as well, which I don't want to get to. If, if I had any say in it. But long story short, I want to basically figure out, okay, what's the best time for me personally to work out? Is it in the morning, is it the afternoon, or at night? And so one quarter I would work out in the morning, and then one quarter in the afternoon, and then one quarter late at night. And based on my own findings and my own personal experience, I love working out in the morning, but it cuts down on my deep work because I tend to do my best deep work in the morning. 
if I work out late at night, I usually have trouble sleeping. I'm so wired. Sometimes I'll take like a pre-workout, which obviously is a terrible idea because it has caffeine. So that makes it very difficult to get an early snooze in. And for some workouts, especially if it's like a Orange Theory bootcamp that I sometimes do, I need a lot of energy to actually go through that class. And so I basically realized the afternoon is perfect for me because one, I can still take a pre-workout if I want to and be extra excited and pumped up to do my workout and be more intense about it. But also I get my deep work done in the morning. And once I end my day around one or two o'clock with all my deep work completely done, and if I just have some miscellaneous tasks to do in the afternoon or later that evening, that'd be perfect for me. And then it doesn't compromise into my social life as well, like hosting dinner parties or just meeting up with friends for dinner or whatever. And so I found for my personal lifestyle that afternoon is the best time, but this took a couple quarters to kind of figure out. And so if you're somebody like me who's always looking for ways to optimize certain things, you can just use literally every quarter for like smaller things just to figure out what what works best for you. That's really interesting because what a lot of people do is and you going with the workout example, what a lot of people do is go with their preference. They're like, oh, I like working out in the evening. I like, or I'm a morning workout person, or I can, you know, I, I like doing it at lunch so it doesn't cut in. But you actually broke it down and thought, okay, well, I like working out in the morning. I'm a quote unquote morning workout person. But you realized and you kind of tested and figured out that even though you your preference is to do it in the morning, that it for all these other reasons, it made more sense to do it in the afternoon. So I, I find that, yeah, that's a pretty fascinating process to go against what your your actual preference and desire is. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. Yo, I, I would love to work out at six o'clock. Don't get me wrong, like especially before <laughs> sunrise. It just makes yeah. you feel so good the way you start your day. You have lots of energy and stuff. And technically, I could still do that. But it's just it comes at a certain compromise of, you know, being in bed by eight o'clock or whatever before, you know, I start doing my deep work. But also I've realized my quote unquote offboarding process, meaning the the latter part of working out, meaning uh, if I finish my workout, you know, I tend to be hungry. So I want to eat something. And then uh, I just start to linger around a little bit more. Like everything takes a little bit longer to do. Like my meals take a little bit longer. I tend to like just, you know, slack off a little bit. And I realize, man, this is not an efficient way to start my day either. So again, just trial and error. Yeah. For me, when I, when I had a goal that I wanted to read more and I didn't have a goal, cause I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast where I, I'm like you, I, I actually don't really believe in a goal of reading X books a year or whatever, but I did want to increase the amount that I was reading. One trick that I figured out for me that really helped me stay on track with that and improve it is now and I, I still do it to this day whenever I'm at around the last 10 percent of a book so for now I'm right now I'm reading Fall by Neil Stevenson his new novel and I'm which is a way bigger book than I expected it was like a it was like a brick when it landed on my uh, desk from Amazon so when I get to the last 10 percent I always arrange for my next book to be ready. So if I'm going to be getting it out of the library, I will have that ordered to my branch. If it's an Amazon book or a Kindle or whatever, I'll order that. So basically, so I'm set. So whenever I finish book number one, 
right away I have book number two ready there and ready to read. And that's worked out really, really well. Same with audiobooks as well. So that's just something, again, that I kind of figured out because what used to happen is I'd finish a book and then I'd be go, oh, what should I read now? Oh, I don't, I don't have it here. So then I have to go find it. So now I've arranged it so that it's a total chain and it's, it's worked really well for kind of enhancing the goal that I had. The next tip is going to be really relevant for people who already have an existing goal or some existing practice and they want to optimize that even further. So one great question to ask yourself is, what is something you did this past quarter but could have done more effectively or could have been done better? And if, if you ask yourself that question and you start to look back, okay, let's say I was working on my exercise routine or whatever, then it gives you kind of a different way to look at what you just did and evaluate, okay, I really liked working out or I really like doing this, but there are certain things eh, I just didn't really like about that. Or there were certain things that were really slow about it, or certain things that really just annoyed me, or there were repeating problems that came up over and over and over again. So as an example, I love working out and I try to do it four times a week. But when I was looking back at my quarter, even though I was sticking to a good exercise routine for that particular quarter when I wasn't traveling as much, one of the things I realized after asking myself, what is something that could have been more effective or something I could have done a better job of? And I realized sometimes I showed up late to my workouts. And then I started to go down that rabbit hole and ask myself, okay, why did that happen? And I basically realized that sometimes I would basically leave home too late to show up at my gym for a workout. And then I started to go down that rabbit hole even more. And I realized, man, the distance for me to go from here to my gym at certain times of the day would just be really unpredictable because of traffic. So sometimes I would show up 10 minutes late. Sometimes I would show up 10 minutes early, whatever, uh, because of traffic. And so I said, okay, what's the solution to this, right? Well, one way would be just show up a little earlier, just end my workday a little earlier, right? So that's one sort of band-aid solution to that. But another thing was, you know what? What if I just change locations? What if I just work out at a different place? And that's what I ended up doing. I basically canceled my membership at that particular gym and then went to another gym, which uh, I luckily found out is only two blocks from me, which you've been to, Brooks. Yep. Yeah. And now I can walk there. And it's, it's a really smooth walk. It's about an eight-minute walk. I've timed it multiple times, so I know. And now I just know, okay, if I leave at 1.52, I'll be there at 2 o'clock exactly. And now I show up on time every single time. Uh, there's no inconsistencies anywhere. I'm much happier now, too, because I'm always showing up on time. I'm saving time. I'm not sitting in traffic, which is one of my biggest pet peeves in life. I feel like I'm, I'm dying when I'm sitting in traffic. <laughs> And now I also work out more because it's easier to get to my gym. And so this all came about because I was just, you know, looking back at, okay, what could have been more effectively done? And me getting to the gym was one of those things. We have a joke internally that Tan only likes doing things within a four block radius of his place. So there you go. You knocked one more, one more off the list of things that were outside the magic for four blocks. And now, uh, now life's good. And then, in Austin, traffic can be such a gong show. I'm sure that's a that's a really big win. So that's good. Yeah, you ask anybody who lives in downtown Austin, everybody lives in their own bubble. It's literally a four block <laughs> radius. If you 
tell a person to leave their four block radius, they go, whoa, that's that's really far. Uh, I don't know if I can go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this one improvement we made, this is kind of inside baseball for, for people listening to the podcast, but one improvement we made is what we decided to do is we started having a meeting around near the end of the quarter and where we sit down as a group and we figure out what the podcast episodes are or what we think they'll be for the whole next quarter. So the nice thing about that thing that's been really great is it's not like there was a problem per se with selecting podcast episodes. It wasn't like that. But we realized it would be great to get everyone's input. So now it's not just my opinion. It's not just Tan's opinion. We, we have the whole team suggesting topics. Sometimes Marmel or Marie or Sherby will, will have suggestions that we never even thought of. So that's super great. But also now we're never in a situation where we need to figure out what to record on because we've kind of gone ahead and figured it out for the quarter. And we're still flexible. You know, we change it around all the time if things come up or we decide oh you know later maybe it doesn't make sense but at least we have that framework set so we can just focus on making the best podcast possible so uh, yeah that's been a great improvement uh, I think to the way we've done things and and again it wasn't fixing something that was broken it was just trying to make things a little bit better well to add to that we've published a blog post every single week for the past almost nine years on the blog and never really missed a beat and I can tell you, even to this day, I'm always looking for ways to make this process even better. Even though we've been doing it for nine years, we're still looking for opportunities and ways to make this even better, smoother, more effective, more cost efficient. So as an example, I don't know if anybody has ever noticed this, but at the beginning of the year, we started to align the podcast episodes with the blog posts that go out in the same week. So what used to happen before then, this this is how it was for literally three years, was, you know, on Monday, we would release a podcast episode on, say, project management or something. And on Tuesday, which is when we always publish our blog posts, it could be about five calendar apps that we like. And they had nothing to do with each other. And that was totally fine for three years. But we said, hey, what if we actually align these two topics on the same week and make it more streamlined this way? And it was just you know, an idea that came from just looking back at past quarters and what didn't go so well and what what could have done better. And we realized, man, sometimes we scramble for episodes to record because we just didn't know what the topic was going to be or so-and-so wouldn't be available and such and such. And once we made that adjustment and we recognized, hey, you know, we can actually be more cost efficient because if we have a podcast episode and a blog post going out in the same week, we can use the same ideas and content from the blog post and the podcast to create that content. And so a lot of times the blog posts are kind of like an extended version of the podcast or a miniature version of the podcast, but they borrow the same ideas. And so we know some people just love to listen to podcasts and don't read blog posts as much anymore. Some people just, you know, read blog posts only and don't really listen to the podcast. And some people do both. And if you can have both mediums and you consume kind of the same content and ideas, but in different formats and in different angles of how something it is uh, explained, sometimes that reinforces things a lot better. Uh, but also on our side, it's more cost efficient because now the research process for blog posts and podcasts is basically one process now. It used to be two different processes. One person would research the podcast stuff, 
another person would research the blog post stuff and it would be two completely separate processes. But now we made it one process, streamlined them for, you know, two different pieces of content. And so it just made everything so much easier in terms of like recording, writing, streamlining, like the management of content, the editing process, just the transfer of knowledge of everything. We've just seen so many benefits. And again, we've been doing this for almost nine years and we're still looking for ways to do this better, right? Even when it comes to my own morning ritual, I've been doing this for, I don't know, almost 10, 12 years, whatever. And I'm still always tweaking, looking for ways to make it better, right? So this mindset of like optimization, getting better, making it more streamlined, more effective, more cost efficient, just, just never stops, which is why I'm so obsessed about it which is why I also think it's one of my secret superpowers to like make things always better and more efficient. People are going off in the comments as well. People are really seeing that they love the content in multiple formats, which is great to hear. Thank you all for sharing that in the live chat here. All right, so let's move on to the third part of our framework. So we just ended the second part here where we talked about opportunities, right? Just figuring out what do we need to do going forward? What can we do better? And now let's talk about execution. So how can you actually get better at executing once you figured out what didn't go so well this quarter? You kind of reviewed everything. You also looked at all these different opportunities that you have in front of you. And let's say you just picked something, right? You have something you know you're going to do. Maybe you already picked something up for the remaining part of this year. And you go, okay, this is the thing I'm going to work on. What are some things that you can do to make this quarter even stronger, even better than what you've done this year? And uh, the first thing is keep listening to the productivity show. <laughs> I think that's a cop out. <laughs> Follow AsianEfficiency.com. Uh, if you problem solved. <laughs> yep. Subscribe to our evil newsletter, and you're good to go. Uh, and we also have a bunch of courses as well. A lot of people actually don't know what we do, so I just want to put that out there. We have a ton of educational courses that you can uh, purchase when you go to AsianEfficiency.com. But uh, all joking, well, half joking aside, uh, a couple things that's I think are good questions to ask yourself is first, what stopped you this past quarter? Okay. What got you off track? What were the bottlenecks? What made it hard for you to get back on track? One of the things I've noticed over the last few years is that when people are excited about their goal or excited about an outcome that they're shooting for, and something happens to them, it's really difficult for a lot of people to get back on track. And we have a whole episode on this, on how to get back on track, which we'll link to in the show notes. But in case you haven't listened to it yet, some of the things that you want to just start thinking about is, you know, when you have trouble getting back on track, uh, the more you plan for that to happen, the easier it is to address it. And if you go to that episode, you'll see that's a big theme of that, right? So, so for me, when I know that I have a lot of travel coming up, I know that's going to impact my fitness, right? And it's one thing to know that logically, but it's another thing to pre-plan for that. So if I know, for example, that I'm going to be traveling a lot and I don't want it to impact my fitness as much, there's certain remedies that I can do, right? So one is I want to make sure I do have access to a gym, ideally a hotel gym, so I can just go literally five floors down or whatever and then work out there, right? I'm also going to create a workout routine in advance in Evernote. So I know when I travel and I only have 45 minutes or whatever, this is the workout I'm going to do. And this is like pre-approved by my trainer and he's going to go, yeah, this is good. Like, make sure you do this. So I have a sample of approval. I know what I'm doing at the gym is going to be good. And then 
in alignment with what I'm trying to do with my goals and my trainer knows that as well, right? Another thing is if I see that, you know what? Fitness is actually more important than travel. I might even cancel my trips and just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to postpone this. I'm going to do this another time. And that has happened too. And so a big part of execution is just seeing kind of like the pitfalls that might be coming up and pre-planning for that as much as possible. Yeah, the last time I was in Austin was just before you were going on a big European trip to attend a conference and do some family stuff. And even before going, you said, I don't know. You, you told me, I don't know. I, I have a feeling I might cut this trip sh- short because my fitness goals are so important to me. And I, I just cannot stand the thought of messing up the routine. And at the time I was thinking, really, you would cut short a, a European trip for for that? And yeah, that's exactly what happened. So yeah, you're, uh, you really focused on the execution that quarter where you, you looked at what your goals are and you're just like, yep, that's, that's more important than eating amazing stroop waffles or however you say it in, in actual Dutch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I had a one-way ticket to Europe this summer and I said to most people, especially to people around me, I said, Hey, I'm probably going to be there for about two months. So let's uh, meet up there or uh, I'll see you back in two months or whatever. And again, I was really focused on my fitness and stuff. And about three weeks in or so, I said, man, I'm enjoying this food. I like the the strobe waffles or the strobe waffles, as we like to call them in Dutch. And, and I'm eating, you know, Michelin star food almost every week. And I go, OK, I've had enough. Like this has been fun, but my fitness is actually much more important to me. And even though I, I was working out with my brother, uh, which I think you've seen. He's just in amazing shape. And I've worked out with him almost every other day or five times a week. It was just wasn't, wasn't quite the same. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to cut my trip short. So I booked a one-way ticket back home, literally a week later, and start focusing back on my fitness and getting back into my own routine and how I eat and what I eat and stuff like that. Because that was just more important. But that was not pre-planned, though. <laughs> so that, that's something I had to come up with on the fly. Yeah, for me, when I looked back at the challenges in the the last couple of quarters and how I wanted to, to kind of learn from it, one thing I really learned is you needed to optimize more the time we were spending. Well, I say we, but mostly me spending with the activities that we had the kids in outside of school. So now that school's back, the school day is great. Focus is not a problem there, but it's just some of the stuff that we had going on outside of school hours that in the past I might have just been like, oh, yeah, I can take them, no problem. But then I think I had gone too far on that direction. Uh, so now we've really optimized the schedule to kind of maximize, still maximize the time, you know, spending time with them, experiencing things with them, but also maximizing the time that I have to get stuff done. So far, it's looking good. Yeah, and just getting my office finally out of out of shambles, which will be happening hopefully this weekend. Uh, it'll be great to be back on track doing that. So again, the episode for getting back on track is, I believe, 255. So if you go to theproductivityshow.com slash 255, you will be able to listen to that episode where we go way deeper into what you can do to get back on track. So again, that is a big part of just making sure that your execution get be- gets better over time. But the other thing that we've learned the hard way, something that you mentioned earlier, Brooks, is just the fewer goals you set or the fewer outcomes or targets you have in a particular quarter, the easier it is to accomplish them. And this is something we've 
discovered many, many times the hard way, unfortunately. But uh, we were over optimistic many times when it comes to trying to accomplish certain goals. And even though we have a bigger team and more people working on stuff, we still learned that, you know what, we cannot achieve three goals in one quarter. We can realistically only do one quarter. And that makes, you know, prioritization very challenging, sometimes leads to heated debates of what we should be doing. And fortunately, I have the final hammer to make that decision. But sometimes that's always uh, that's sometimes a very difficult thing to enforce and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I hate disappointing people. But sometimes that needs to happen when we have all these different priorities and not everybody is aligned necessarily. But yeah, I would highly recommend that whatever you have going on right now, if you see that you have more than two or three big priorities, I would say slim it down, trim it down to just one. Because you increase your likelihood for success, you increase the likelihood that you're actually going to achieve it. And no matter how smart you are or how optimistic you are, if you are realistic with reviewing your past quarters, looking at opportunities and doing that consistently, uh, like we've done over the last few years, we've just seen that, you know what, sticking to one goal is so much better than trying to do two or three. And even if you hit one goal, just the other ones that are maybe like 25% done or 10% done or even half done, I would rather have one goal completely done and execute it flawlessly or in a way that makes me really happy and satisfied. And then maybe if we have extra time just improving it and making it even better and streamlining it, right? Like products can always be made better. Content can always be better. Like everything can always be better when you're working on one particular goal. And so I would just highly encourage you to just stick to one thing if you can. Yep, we've learned that lesson over and over again, but I think we've we finally we finally nailed it down and and we've definitely been seeing the benefits from it. Yeah, and I would also say that I'm still going to push for 2 or 3 every now and then <laughs> just because <laughs> I'm still optimistic like that. I think every good CEO is always over optimistic in that sense, but yeah. I'm still going to keep this lesson in the back burner as well to say, hey, you know, if we want to increase the likelihood of success, it's better to stick to one goal. And uh, if we're going to have a second goal, I'll, I'll keep it a secret and I'll just work on it on the weekends or something without anybody knowing. Uh, but that's that's my own little secret that nobody knows, except everybody else now that listens to this episode. All right. So that is kind of our three-part framework. Again, that was reviewing opportunities and then execution. So if you implement all these things that we just mentioned today, you're going to be way ahead. But uh, we also want to share some random rapid-fire tips and tricks to help you with this upcoming quarter. So Brooks, what are some of the things that you just want to quickly share with people? Yeah, so a few a few resources that I think will help and some tips. Number one, we have a course in the dojo. Tan mentioned the dojo earlier and how we have courses that really help people out level up their productivity. So one is on the 12-week year. And that is a book that we've talked about on the podcast multiple times. But the course in there uh, does a really good job of breaking down where you are in the year and for focusing you on the quarter coming up. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Tan also mentioned the book Scaling Up, which is a really, really good book slash framework slash system for planning and executing. And it's it's actually funny, whenever we get together in Austin for our quarterly planning at a Tan always has a couple of extra copies of the book. And so we he brings it out and then we will reference it as we're going through our quarterly planning. If you're a dojo member, 
Another thing that can really, really help is sharing your journey and sharing the things that you're working on, struggling with, and committing to. So we have an accountability forum in, in the dojo, and people discuss it in Slack as well. So that can be really, really helpful, and people are super encouraging when people share their progress. But if you're, if you're not a dojo member, then you can also get accountability from someone not a spouse, because you can either, it can go both ways. Your spouse can be overly supportive and not give you realistic feedback or under supportive and be like, really, you want to do that? You know, shouldn't you be cleaning up the garage instead or something like that? So somebody ideally not a spouse, but find some accountability partner, someone you can share your journey with. And then final tip is do not underestimate how much energy can impact your productivity and your goal achievement. So low energy can derail almost any goal, no matter how good you are at planning. So we have a podcast series all about energy, starting with TPS 237. Um, so if that is something that kind of resonates with you, I definitely recommend checking that out because you want to make sure you're going into this last quarter with your energy on track, which will really, really help you in uh, getting your, your goals accomplished for the rest of the year. And one final note I want to add to this episode is what Katie has brought up here in the chat as we're recording in front of our dojo members here. And she said, if you're not a dojo member, then become one. So <laughs> you can totally do that when you go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. So thank you all for listening today and we'll be back next week. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get things done. You should be able to get everything done in the time that you have. That's why we've built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, increase your energy, and get you more focused. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and within two minutes of taking the productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com forward slash quiz. Don't let your never-ending to-do list drag you down and stop sacrificing your health and family to get things done. Take the quiz today and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 269. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.